Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. From the Liquor Barn Studios, it's time for the V Show, right here on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Bobby V. Talking hot dogs before us, I gather, because I see a text here. Blank said he doesn't like ketchup and mustard because as a kid he didn't understand why you could leave it on the table all day and it wouldn't spoil. Blank's a strange man. I, see, I Good guy, but he's, he's definitely he's definitely he would fit in on our show because he's really weird. <laughs> I don't know, but Zach came back there. I mean, we were ta- we were in the back talking about uh, well before that we were talking about the you know the rules. For oh, the we'll get night. into that. Trust me. And also, we we've got a new thing. The bazooka is loaded. We, we've got a new thing. We had the Santa Claus bet. Yep. We have a Hanukkah bet now. <laughs> well, because yeah, that is Drew made a bet that he thought all the legs of it were going to conclude last night so he'd wake up today and see it not realizing one of the games was actually tonight so it's going to go to the second day of hanukkah so he'll light a candle and see if he wins so it's a hanukkah bet. so he's got a hanukkah bet mm-hmm. so we were talking about that so i didn't hear the end of uh um louis show i uh, guess well, i, I guess they were talking about hot dogs. Dogs. well because then zach came yeah. in and out of the blue asked me do you eat a hot dog plane and i was like you know you ever seen a grown man naked i didn't know i didn't know where to go with that <clears throat> so to which Zach, Zach said emphatically, yes. That was kind of weird. <laughs> Way too enthusiastically. <laughs> yeah, really. Didn't even hesitate. But, uh, yeah, I will. You know what? I will. Um, first of all, ketchup on a hot dog means you were born somewhere where they, uh, you know, was behind an Eastern Bloc country. It's, it's like, you know. See, I used to have ketchup on hot dogs all the time yeah, as a you're, kid. You're odd, too. No, as a kid. As yeah. a kid. Well, as a kid, because kids put ketchup on anything. Yeah, that's true. So, but, I also had well-done steak with ketchup as a kid. But so. I also, I put mustard. My mother liked it like the way she, they would have it in Chicago, loaded with, she would put relish on, you yeah. know, sauerkraut, mustard, the whole thing. I hated sauerkraut until I got to, like, high school, and I realized just how amazing a condiment it really Good. is. Especially on hot dogs. But I would, you know what? I'm lazy. <clears throat> and so I like to, I get just a weenie and a bun. And you know why? Why? Because whenever you put any of those other things on, where does it wind up? On your shirt. On your shirt, yeah, always. That's true. That is true. So yeah. I don't, I'm too lazy to have to deal with it and put a napkin there or something. So you get a weenie and a bun. My first you're good to go. party, like middle school party where there were girls, I went to the, it was a pool party. I went to the pool party. I was nervous. So what do I rely on? Food. I go and I got a hot dog and immediately it was as if 
I, you just took this it, container and squirted it your chest? squirted it on my yeah, pants. Sure. I was covered in mustard. Of course you were. And, and mustard is even, in some degrees, worse than ketchup, because the smells. ketchup you can blot. The mustard stays, like, yellow, even on your clothes, yeah. especially if it's well, on a lighter-colored garment. Like, you know, it can, it'll give, like, a mustardy smell. So my icebreaker was, I'm covered in condiments. And they were like, yeah, cool. I'm not going to the dance with you. Yeah, that's not a good one. All right, here's the game last night. Let's chat about it, shall we? I tweeted this, or X'd it, or whatever the hell you call it now, um, but uh, and it's worth visiting again. There's some opinion here, which is obviously the way it's going to be for anybody, and then some facts and some confusion on the facts, which hopefully we can clear up, um, because the, 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 the rule as it's re- written creates some uh, confusion a little bit. So... Here, people still are misinterpreting the rule, but I'll get to that. Here's the, the game was um, filled with questionable decisions by both teams in the last three minutes, and that's unfortunate because up till that point, especially on the offensive end, quite frankly, Louisville played a very intelligent game. They they called timeouts when they should. They ran that play with 11 seconds to go to get Sky a three, and he got it and nailed it. Um, that was a, a, a really, really well-designed play. They'd scored before that um, on, a, on a set. They just kept scoring. I mean, both teams, it was like tennis. They were just holding serve. But they had to do some things to get those baskets, and they did a really nice job. Offensively, they, they showed they attacked the zone well. A lot of things that they did badly at the beginning of the year, they did not only only adequately, they did well offensively last night. They Remember how much trouble they had with the zone early in the year against Indiana? They attacked the zone pretty darn well last night. Shot a great percentage, moved the ball, got it into the post, out of the post. You know why their three-point percentage is better? I said this on the air last night. You know, being a little bit of a wise-ass, but I had a friend who was really good. You remember the old game Pac-Man, of course. He was really good at Pac-Man. And I asked him, how come you're so good at it? What's the secret? He said, here's the key. I don't let the monsters eat me. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. That's it. Well, it's the same thing with shooting three-point shots. Hey, how come? What's the secret to now all of a sudden they're making a good percentage? Why? They're taking better threes. The ones they were taking early were bad shots. You take a whole bunch of bad shots, you're going to get a bad percentage. You're letting the monsters eat you. They're taking better percentage shots now, and their percentage is respectable. Kenny told us at the beginning of the year, we have good shooters. Well, they have good enough shooters, certainly, when they take good shots. When they're just hoisting them up from everywhere, they have problems. So that's what they're doing. So they're better. They're more selective with their three-point shooting. They are a much better job of situational awareness beginning of the year they get what got down to the end of the game they look completely lost they ran good sets they got uh, they, you know a guy who's got the best range probably to shoot a three coming off a screen in sky and he delivered he could have really felt like a hero last night he didn't even get to celebrate for eight seconds because they came right back down and ran it down their throat we'll get to that in a minute okay so there's there's a lot of stuff there that is you know, if, if you're just, oh, God, I can't wait for this guy to go, that's not good news for you because they looked much better. Seth said that on the way out, Seth Greenberg. So, my God, they're so much better than they were early. They are. That's the way it is. Now, having said that, both teams also made some bizarro decisions in the in the uh, last three minutes of the game. Both teams. We talk about it from Louisville's point of view because, obviously, Louisville fans, but <clears throat> Syracuse was a bit fortunate as well because they made some boneheaded decisions down the stretch. Let's see if we can review some of them, shall we? Uh, let's let's start with the fact that 
I think the, the next game we should all be watching because if Tyler fouls the three-point shooter, I think they're going to give him a watch because that'll make his 100th uh, fouling three-point shooter on the season. I think they'll stop the game. <laughs> they'll make an exciting presentation. So he will foul the, th- foul the three-point shooter again. Um, so that was a ridiculously silly play. Um, also, the last three that they made – let me get the play-by-play up here so I can give you the exact times. You'll know the play, though. Um, Louisville was ahead. I actually said, if you were listening on the radio, Louisville had a three-point lead, and I was basically begging them, saying, okay, boys, no three here. Just don't give up a three. Don't give up a three. Whatever you do, don't give up a three. And, of course, uh, what happened? they gave up three. Chris Bell hits a three. Chris Bell, with 37 seconds to go, uh, makes, a, makes a three. And so uh, – you know, because I said even if he if he doesn't if he makes a two there, it's a one possession game. You just you're still going to get the ball back with a chance to tie. Um, but instead, they gave up a three and went down four with 37 seconds to go. That's why I said you got to give them credit. They um, they kept plugging. They just keep playing hard. These kids and they. I'm sorry if you just well, why are you celebrating because it? it's a it's nice to see that down. That could have been the backbreaker. Instead, they came down. Curtis Williams missed a three. Trey White, who I have been harsh on for the beginning of the year, is playing at a much higher level. I give him credit. He's been a very much more effective player, but he's still that is the guy that ran at Bell and foolishly just ran at him, wound up in the first row and gave up a three to the guy who'd already made six or seven, whatever he had at that point. And that's the one thing. You you cannot do. You have to have awareness of that. And you want to blame coaching. To, yes, to some degree, the, the things that decision making on the court. But players have to make decisions, too. And at this point, you know, Tyler's got to stop fouling jump shooters. And Trey's got to stop flying. You know what it comes down to? Here's what it comes down to. I have a friend. Well, Paul Rogers and I were talking about this. I think, I think we did it on Fast Break Friday one week. I have a friend I played against in high school who went on to be a pilot for... Um, whatever U.S. Air was known, and then they went to what, American, I guess. And, and it, you know, you get you get fed up with when you're sitting on the plane and they do, all right, you know, if the flight attendant can have your attention, please, you know, for the important safety announcements, you know, first they tell you how to do the seatbelt, which makes you really rise, but then they say the same thing over and over again. Locate the nearest exit, understanding the nearest one might be behind you right. in the case of an emergency. Red lights will lean to blue lights and go out that way and uh, leave your stuff on. If, if we lose cabin pressure, make sure you put on your mask first before helping children. Right. Your seat cushion serves as a flotation device. Slide your hands through the straps, hold it to you, or, the, or they tell you where the life jacket is right. or put right. it on and how do you inflate it, you what? You blow pull the, the red tab or, pull the, or you blow, you blow it, the thing on the shoulder. Yeah. Now, why do they do that? Because the idea is, you may be have heard it ad nauseum, but if God forbid it's the one in a trillion chance that your plane really has a crisis, you're going to be freaked out. So you can't at that point be saying, it's, uh, how the hell do I fly? What do I do? What would what they tell me about this? It's got to be as much as even in that time, you'll know your own name. You will know that the seat cushion floats, that the yellow thing has, if you don't remember the red cord, you'll know to blow it up through the tube. That's why they do it over and over and over. So if you're in that one in a trillion opportunity where it happens, you'll know there's going to be a slide. You know, if you're in this road, take the door, chuck it out. Everybody, okay. That's what basketball is. Basketball is when you get in that situation late in the game, have you done it enough so that 
it's second nature. Okay, in this situation, I know I can't foul the jump shooter. That guy, he's the hot. I don't. We come up with a term for the guy. He's the hot man. He's the he's whatever. He's the guy. We used to have a term: one no help. We would guard that guy one no help, which meant that his defensive assignment, that guy was going to play him, and he was not going to help no matter what his the other four teammates could burst into flames and his job is to make sure that guy does not get a three okay well they, they you know they don't do that the guy comes down the only thing that could put you down two possessions is a three and they let a guy take it by flying at him again and runs by him and then he just simply sidesteps him now he's got he could have shut it underhand he was so open that's you, you know you, you got to be schooled enough that you can't allow that to happen. But they keep playing. And to, to Trey's credit, makes the next play. He's the one that makes the follow layup on on uh, on uh, Williams's miss three and gets it back to two. And then they wound up with a chance. Copeland made uh, one free throw, missed the second one, and then they came down the floor. And here's what where it gets interesting. First of all, there's there's um, the um, the the uh, Play with. I'm trying to see how much time there was. They were their guy who also lost his mind. Uh, um, um, Mince came down. They got the ball. They had the lead. Shot clock is off or very close to being off. And he drives it in traffic there. Remember that? And lost the ball. And that's what gave Louisville the ball back, which gave them a chance. 20 seconds to go. They're up 91-89. You bring it across midcourt, you dribble in a circle, you wait for somebody to come hammer you, and and that's, I'm thinking, oh, God, it's going to be tough. Now, and then he drives it right into traffic and turns it over, and Sky Clark steals it. That was a rock-headed play. So he steals it, and then they start, uh, uh, they, they went down the other end, and Sky lost his mind a little bit. He was he had bull in a china shop. He had two possessions where he did that. And this was one of them. He came down. And he was like, you know, the only thing missing was the Daffy Duck soundtrack. Woo 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 woo. Because that's what it was like. He just went into traffic, and I was like, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? It's seventeen seconds. Only two points. Where are you going? And of course, it did not turn out well. But to their credit, they didn't quit again. They fouled. Copeland only made one of two, and then. This is where it gets interesting. I mean, it was already interesting because why Mintz shot it, I have no idea. Louisville made a couple of bad decisions. Not only did Johnson foul the three-point shooter, but he fouled uh, out of the game on top of it. So that was even worse. I mean, that, that that's – that's you just – you know, I know everything bad decision on the court you want to blame on the coaches, but sometimes – guy's got to know he's got four fouls. Got to know it's a three-point shooter. He's got to know he's only barely six feet tall. He can't foul that guy. You know, but anyway, he's playing terrific. Trey's playing much better, terrific. But they, in at the time, the plane, the the pressure went out, and the masks came down. They forgot to put on their mask first, and then right. do the children. So okay, so now when they got the missed free throw, and Louisville's coming down the floor because where we're sitting. Kenny's right next to us. The officials, Kenny's on the left. It was like Gunga Din. Kenny to the left of us. The official on the right. Water, Gunga. I'm sorry. I just uh, went to, I apologize. Um, but the uh, coaches are screaming, get a timeout. Get, get it across midcourt and call timeout. And Gri- uh, Griffin is, is telling his players, Autry rather, is telling his players, foul, foul. And the, if you look on the replay, they tried to foul Sky simultaneous with Louisville calling timeout. 
and they gave them the timeout, but they made him take the ball in, in the backcourt, which actually was the right call. That's when he called timeout. And if they hadn't given him timeout there, they would have called the foul and it would have been Louisville at the line uh, down uh, three with only two shots. So, okay. So now I said on the air, well, I assume Syracuse is going to try and foul here because they just tried to foul. And now he's got a huddle to tell them. So I'm sure he's going to say, all right, come in and let's foul. Instead, Louisville did a heck of a job there. They brought it in. They got it to Sky. He came going to his right, which is what you want. They set a ball screen. He came off the ball screen, let it go, made the three, and they tied the game. Now, this is, you know, I did a sociology sport class. And one of the things to define what a sport is, this game last night is going to typify it. Because what here's the difference why this is a sport and tossing playing cards into a hat is not. Because one of the one of the criteria is it has to have an accepted form of strategy. There has to be a, an organization that oversees it loosely. Anyway, the NCAA ostensibly, um, but there also has to be it has to be the kind of thing where afterwards you can discuss it and rediscuss it because there are so many decisions that go into it that. You know, second guessing is part of the lure of sports. It's not a lot of second guessing and throwing cards in a hat. You know, he took the middle three cards and he missed. Oh, sorry, that, that was that. So the question is, should they have fouled there? I can understand why he wanted to foul in the first place in the chaos. But when he set his defense, uh, he was going to take a chance and, and not try and foul because, and this makes sense, Louisville was killing them on the backboard. I mean, just annihilating them on the backboard. What did it turn out? It turned out, I'll get the box score right here. Louisville wound up with 40 rebounds. They wound up with 21. They they almost doubled them. So if he makes a free throw, makes the first, if they foul, keep going, they were up three, Syracuse. He makes the first, misses the second, and Louisville gets the rebound, throws it out, and they hit a three, you could lose. And you can't say, well, that's far-fetched. Not when you're getting out-rebounded two to one. So he probably, I, I agree with him, he probably didn't feel comfortable um, having a possibility where he, he misses a free throw and Louisville gets the rebound. I mean, when when, when Kenny's son, when, when uh, Zan came in, remember in the first half, he got a rebound right away. So he just got off the bench, and they missed, Louisville missed a free throw, and he got a rebound off of it. I mean, so uh, they were not a good rebounding team at all. And uh, and and maybe he was a little concerned about that. So, um, uh, you know, I can understand uh, why uh, he didn't foul there. Okay, now let's get to the meat on the bone. What happened on the last play? What do, is my opinion and then what is fact? Here's my opinion. They uh, made the three. People want to get on Louisville, understandably, because they didn't get back. Syracuse does a very, very good job. You had to be aware they they had already they scored like thirty seven fast break points or something on the night. It was so you know they. But did they deserve credit? The kid didn't pout. You know that your instinct is oh god. Instead, he just jumped out of bounds, took and threw it over the defense. If you watch Sky, and here's where it gets to be a problem, and maybe it's something you probably had to discuss. But again, you you, you kind of got to play the game if you if anybody who played in high school knows if the point guard shoots somebody has to cover for him sky with that lineup is the point guard because tyler's out he's the point guard so he took the shot somebody has to cover for him but in fairness again you're not really thinking about covering the court you're thinking about we got a score here the game's over so guys were probably thinking about should i get to the offensive glass okay whatever you can question why they weren't getting back if you look at sky he goes and matches up to a guy right away. I just I saw that when I just watched it again. He makes the three. Then there's a Syracuse player right next to him. He turns and he face guards him. But he's the last guy back. So, you know, they throw it over to everybody and they get it. 
And uh, what is it? Copeland, I guess, right? Copeland goes in, and uh, he's going to make a lap. Now, here's where <clears throat> what I saw in the replay, why it got messy, and why people are misinterpreting something. Let me see if I can help you through all that. Here's opinion, and then fact. My opinion, this is why you, 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 I understand officials try and ref the situation. In other words, well, you know, I, I, I let that go because it was fairer if I called this instead of that. Brandon fouls him. That's the first thing. As he's going by, Brandon sticks his chest out. And he tries to bump him off balance, and he does. And they don't call that. Okay, so by letting that go, now they've created a bunch of things that they screwed up. So that was probably a foul. Would have put him on the line for two free throws with probably about six seconds to go or so. He misses it. So he shoots it, and then all this happened. Bang, 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 bang. He, he's fouled. They don't call it. Glenn comes and makes a clean block. I, I've now watched it from 90 different angles. That is not goaltending. It does, it's goaltending if the ball is above the basket on its way down. It's not that. Or if it hits the backboard first, which, by the way, is also not really what the rule says. But every official calls that. If it hits the backboard, automatically they call goaltending. It, technically, if a guy somehow took a shot where he was sliding it up the backboard and it hit the backboard first, you could still block it legally. But nobody... Because it was going up. Because it's going up. But nobody... no. Trust me, there's no official in the world that's going to let you block it off the backboard because the assumption is going to be that you, the kiss, you're kissing it off the board and it's coming on its way down to the goal. So, you know, let's just... Let's accept that for what it is. But it didn't hit the backboard. It hit the backboard after Glenn hit it. Glenn hit it off the backboard. That's legal. So there was no goaltend. So they should have called a foul on Huntley Hatfield. They didn't. They let the shot go. Glenn blocked it cleanly, and then they called goaltending. And they should not have done that either. Now, here, here's what the debate is, and amazing how many people are misinterpreting this. And the only reason I'm saying, oh, how do you know? Well, because we called. Actually, I didn't even do it. Seth Greenberg called the supervisor of officials because he was wrong, too, and he admitted it. He said on the air it would have gone to the arrow and been Louisville's ball. That's incorrect. That is not what the rule says. And I'm going to read you the rule, and I'm going to tell you why, in point of fact, it would not have been Louisville's ball. And then I'm going to tell you why, opinion, I think that they gave the ball, uh, they didn't overturn the goaltending. Here's the rule. The rule says, and this is what's confusing people, when the official is determined that the call by instant replay is confirmed on the review, the game clock shall be reset to the time remaining when the violation occurred. Okay, all right, no debate there. When the instant replay review indicates there was no violation, the game clock shall be reset to the time that the official thought the violation occurred. So they, 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 it was confirmed. In their mind, the video confirmed it. Okay, so they put the clock back at 3.8. But how about, well, how about if they looked at that video and overturned it? That's the question. Doesn't Louisville get the ball? Doesn't it go to the arrow? It does not. What it does is this. It can go to the arrow, but it doesn't always automatically. Here's what it says. If the call decision on the floor is reversed as a result of the review, the officials must determine if there was team possession when the call was made and award the ball to the team in possession. That's exactly the rule that the rules the uh, um, interpreter quoted to, to Seth, and that applies here because no matter how you interpret it, 
Syracuse had the ball. Either, if you want to interpret it, that when the guy was taking the shot, which I don't think is what they mean, but okay, even if you broaden it, say, well, the you know the mistake made when the guy took the shot well, it was Syracuse playing taking a shot, so it was their ball. But if you watch the replay, Brown is it Brown? I think it's Brown. Is literally as tall as he is, two inches from the rim. And the ball is coming right into his hands, and there's nobody near him. So it would have been, at best for Louisville, it would have been Syracuse ball. Now, that would have been tough. If you're Syracuse, they would have been pissed with good reason because their guy, if they just shut up and didn't blow the whistle, which they shouldn't have, their guy had it with a two-inch lay-in to win the game, basically, or put them up by two. So that is, I'm pretty sure, Teddy has been doing this since, I think he called one of James Naismith's games. So he's been calling the games forever. And I think he looked at that and said, I can hide behind simply saying, yeah, we get the call right, and then we'll give the ball to Louisville. Because if not, he's going to have to take the points away from Syracuse and give them the ball on a side out of bounds with 3.8 seconds to go. So if you want to be... Uh, strictly letter of the law, yeah, Louisville got screwed because it should have been, but they only got screwed because they made so many mistakes. They didn't call foul on Brandon. He definitely fouled him. They didn't call, they called a goaltending that wasn't there. That's why you can't try and referee by situations. Oh, you can't call that. You can't call this because the more you do, it's it's like the mafia. You wind up, oh, I got now I got to let this go. This is for Joey to knows. That's for Harry to toe. You, 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 know, you can't do that. You got to just call what you see. And they made a mistake. And by by the rule, what they should have done is gone back, watched the video, and said there was no goaltend. We blew the whistle. Syracuse clearly had possession. They get the ball back with 3.8 seconds to go. And that would have been better for Louisville because they would have had a chance to stop them and get the game to overtime. But they screwed it up. And they should also have to explain, how did they watch that replay for as long as they did and still think there was goaltending? I mean, you got to come out and say, well, I thought the ball was on the way down. All right, we could say, we, you know, we think you're absolutely insane, but at least explain how after watching it, for as long as you did, you still think there was goaltending. The, the camera above the basket is the best at determining that it didn't hit the backboard first. You can't really tell if it's above the rim. That camera's not good for that. But above the rim, you could see the ball's out of his hand. You can see the daylight between the ball and the backboard. Glenn hits it, and he hits it off the backboard. That's not goaltending, unless, that's why I said, if they said to you, and I wouldn't agree with it, but if they said, no, we looked at it, we thought the ball was on the way down, all right, but I don't. I didn't see that either. But okay, they should have to explain that, though. But the fact of the matter is the people who are saying, oh, Louisville would have had the ball, they would not have had the ball. At the best case scenario for Louisville, after that cluster buck by the officials, would have been Syracuse with the ball, about 3.84 seconds, whatever there was, left, and they would have had the ball. I think you have to take it in on a side out of bounds. I don't think you take it in on the baseline. And they would have had uh, – but that is what the rule is. They would have had the ball. So the people are saying that would have been Louisville ball, and quoting the rule or not quoting the right rule does not go to the arrow if there's clear possession. And it was clear possession for Syracuse. So there's that. But – it was a chaotic. I mean, there were mistakes. So why Mintz shot it? Why Tyler fouled the three-point shooter? Why Trey decided to go jump in the stands again after a guy at a guy who's made seven threes? Beautiful execution to get Sky a three to tie the game. Uh, why the officials made a cluster buck of that last play? If you think about how many things they missed, they missed you know at least two calls on that one play. And uh, and and if they decided to make their own rule up, basically, or you know pretend, oh no, we saw goaltending just so they wouldn't have to. Uh, make a very unpopular decision, which would have been to take, which, which they did. But that's when, you know, officials screw up and sometimes they screw teams and they would have screwed Syracuse. 
It doesn't mean when you hear that, oh, they're trying to screw him. No, I, you know, a guy would be outed very quickly if he was out there trying to stick it to certain teams and coaches. Um, but but they missed it. They they made the cluster buck of that. The whole thing would have been avoided if they just called the foul on Brandon, which it was in the first place. You watch him. And I understand why he did it. He's not going to concede, but he also doesn't want to get a flagrant. And he hopes maybe I can nudge him enough and do what he did, which is bump him off balance and not get called. And he didn't. But it was a foul, and, that made, and the kid missed the shot. And then all broke loose from there. But uh, again, that is the rule. And whether you think that should be the rule or not, that's uh, that's what it is. Um, let's see what it says here. Text coming in. Uh, what more can you say about the goaltending calls that TV Ted Valentine reviewed it? And that says it all. I, you know, I. You may. This is. I. I don't do this on purpose, but I, I feel like people think I sometimes do. I did a survey one year. It was only ten coaches, but uh, ten coaches and one very national broadcaster. And I said, "You got one, including Patino." And I said, "You got one game for the championship, and you can pick your crew, the best three officials. Who would you pick?" Ted Valentine got more votes than anybody else. Him and and uh, Mike Eads, they tied. And they said, listen, the fans love talk about theatrics and all this, but the fact of the matter is he's in great shape, he hustles, and he makes good decisions. So I'm sorry. So, you know, the, the one thing about Teddy is when it was a foul called, he will tell you exactly where he thinks he saw the contact. You know, he never just calls foul number 12, and then he does the – he doesn't even make a gesture. Sometimes they do a hitting or something. He will show you. He hit him in the ear. He chopped him in the neck. You know, he went – Skylar came and he did the foot swipe thing, and he does that. He looked like he was a soccer-style kicker, Teddy, when he's making the signal. So he's, he does that. But, no, it's uh, – he, he watched it. I don't I don't I don't know why you know you would would think that his decision making is bad but in this case I do wonder if his he was like look I'm Teddy Valentine nobody messes with me this is the fairest thing to do because if I don't call goaltending I'm going to have taken away really if you think about it Syracuse would have gotten screwed twice in Louisville once <laughs> because they didn't call a foul right. on Brandon and they took away the easy follow shot. The kid was there by himself. Look at the pictures. Nobody near him. He's just going to drop it in. I mean, he's not going to. It's not even a shot. Did go in. Yeah, he did put it in. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I mean, it bounced around, but yeah. What the, the kid following? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying it wasn't a clean put back, no, but still but, went in. So, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it is. Um, and I think at that moment, he said, no, it's goaltending, it's goaltending. I'll say one thing, Reese Gaines, I thought, was going to get thrown out of the NCAA. He was hot after the game. But, but I mean, God, you know, he's hot at is that the same thing that a lot of people would be is that the, game, the, the quote-unquote call that decided it was a bad call. It was not goaltending. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it like this, and I'm saying this is what – and I don't agree with this for officials, but – I get why he did it. He, Louisville did have a chance. You know, they got a shot off. I don't know. It seemed like it took an awful long time. That 3.8 seconds seemed to last a long time. Yeah, it felt like six. But he got a shot off. It was a three. If he made it, they would have won. And if you're an official, you say, uh, you know, that's I gave everybody a chance to win the game. So, um, again, I'm not uh, – Teddy does a good job, but uh, I know that people uh, lose their mind a little bit. Uh, so, there you go. Um I want to see if we can get some. Looks like we're going to see a milestone. And 
watch Recognition Saturday. I don't know what that means. Do you know what that means? Oh, yeah, we're going to see a milestone. He's going to get his 100th foul. Oh, oh, referring to, yes, yes, thank you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, present a watch, announce it, make a a little speech to the crowd. Thank you. When I came here, I had a dream. My dream was to foul every jump shooter in the conference, and until that dream is realized, I will not stop. (laughs) I feel bad because I like him, and I like him as a player. I think he's going to be – I think he's – you know he's playing at a very high level. He's, he's uh, and they, you know there's there's some mistakes that are like when you know, I, was, I was raised Catholic. You know they, they teach about venial sins and mortal sins. I don't know if you know the differences. Does one have to do with veins? Venial, huh? With what? Veins? No. Right. Venial is a is a, like a minor sin, like a little white lie. You know that that's real serious. Mortal sin is you know bludgeoning your sister to death. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are particularly yeah. So they had some venial sins during the game. They, you know, when when people want to tell Tyler don't shoot it, don't shoot threes. No, no. When he catches it off the pass and steps into it, he's actually a pretty good three point shooter. The problem is same thing. He he lets the monsters catch him too much. He doesn't. He shouldn't be shooting it off the dribble and off the move. And he took one of those. Sky had a couple of possessions where he was definitely. Ball in the china shop early. What'd you do? The Daffy Duck. I just all of a sudden he just went in the lane. He was he was bouncing off guys. They bouncing off his teammates. I mean, it was crazy, uh, you know. And they and there's a couple of those, but that happens. I mean, it's not great, and you'd like to have a game where you don't do any of that. But but the stuff late, the the decision making, letting that guy make another three when it would when if they even if you gave him a dunk, it would have been a one possession game. That's all you're thinking of at that stage. I mean, obviously you're trying to keep him from scoring, but you you've got to you've got to um, make in, keep in your mind the um, the. Uh, the, the situation with possessions. It was a one-point game. They make a two. You got the ball. It's a one-possession game. You can tie it. They make a three. Now you made a two-possession game. So. Um, a lot of good texts. UPS jobs. Yeah, text this is, I thought the guy was being sarcastic. Maybe he's not. Is the city of Syracuse nice, Bobby V? Here's a picture of Amelia Earhart flying her auto gyro over Syracuse. I've never even, It's like a helicopter, I guess. How about that picture? You know, Syracuse, the people are very friendly there. And uh, the city has come a long way. I mentioned on the show yesterday, I stayed, we stayed in the same hotel that I stayed in literally 43 years ago. We were up there recruiting. And uh, it used to be called the Hotel Syracuse. And I'm glad they renovated They kept it because it is a landmark and it's so cool. Old buildings are just built differently. It's just it's hard to describe. And the guy, the new owner, did a really nice job of making the rooms modern but keeping the architecture so like you walk in there's a gigantic mural it's like a size of a hockey rink goes all around the lobby it's not quite that big but it's big and it's got like you know historical moments for the city of Syracuse and there's a lot of marble and ornate wood you know not plasticky stuff it's uh, it's pretty cool pretty cool place so but I don't know why Amelia Earhart was flying over Syracuse but nonetheless thank you for the picture um, let's see Texts are asking, can a team be playing hard if they give up 94 points and 33 of those are fast break points? Yeah, they can be playing hard. They just may not be playing effectively. They played hard. They, they play People don't want to hear that. People seem to think it's just, well, they, they, they don't, they're not doing something well. They're not playing hard. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy that. 
they're trying. They're trying very hard, and they and their their body language is so much better than it was. I said this only half kiddingly, and I don't mean it as a knock on Dennis or Hersey or JJ, of course, or anybody. But the um, the fact that they have less players is working <laughs> to their favor. <laughs> Because the, so. the guys that are out there are not looking over their shoulder. They they are playing with a sense of freedom because they don't worry that, well, if I make one mistake, I'm never going to see the light of day again. They are getting to know each other better. When you, Think about it. If you are trying to learn about your teammates and you only have to learn about five other guys as opposed to nine other guys, you can play much more comfortably and look at the number of assists they're passing the ball they the number their assist totals way up from the way it was earlier they're they're light years better offensively what they are not is they're not appreciably better at all defensively at all and that's disappointing i shouldn't say that like trey tries much more than he did early way more than he did early and the and and tyler was doing a good job of staying in front of mince which is not easy i said this on the air last night too i think there are certain body types that are just prone to get fouled more one is the big wide body in the block because you put them in the post and to get around them is hard and frustrating and eventually you just grab them and hold them and you get a foul or Mince, who seemingly when he goes down the, the lane the is just work. those guys that are out front of businesses that the air goes and they're just yeah, the wacky waving inflatable. Yes, he's there. a waving inflatable guy, and arms and legs are going everywhere. He's a flailer. I call him a flailer, and the flailers get fouled a lot because when they go in there, there's just body parts going all over the place. I mean, Teddy has a field day showing you that. You know, you know, over here and over there and the armpit and back of the neck and just and so uh, you know that's that's. Uh, He's going to get to the line a lot. And and he did a better job. They do a much better job. Again, I'm telling you, the Pac-Man theory will help you a lot in basketball. You know how you defend screens better? You don't run into the screen. Avoid the monsters. And they're doing a better job of getting over screens now. Early in the year, as soon as the guy set a screen, the guy would run. You, ever, you know, you ever see those bugs? I don't even know what they're called, but they're kind of big oval Round bugs, and if they flip on their back, they just, they just, their legs are just flailing. Yeah, right. They can't. That was them early in the year in screens. Run into the screen and then just start <laughs> throwing your arms. Around. You know, hey, hey, you can go around the screen. You don't have to stay buried in the guy's navel. Just go around him. You know. So they do a better job of of that now. So they're, they're but they're not good yet defensively, and so, but it's not a matter of effort. It, it, and and you know what else? If you want to do effort, okay, I'll tell you this: they're not a big team right now, but and Syracuse isn't either. But who won the rebounding battle? The two areas that, if you want to look at for "quote unquote" effort, are defensively and rebounding, and they dominated the backboard. I mean, they just dominated the boards. I mean, it was almost surprising when Syracuse got a rebound. It's unbelievable. So. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm just here telling you what I see. Again, nobody you can feel whatever you want. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I you know what, Texter, your your point's well taken. The only thing I can tell you is, I had years like this with teams I coached. We the Texter says maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but these close games are so infuriating because how in the world then did this team lose to DePaul and Central Arkansas? 
I, I'm not disputing that. But I, I've had teams where I coached and we lost a game early in the year. Uh, I remember it. I mean, we lost by four on the road to a team that went, then we played them, you know, at home later and, and uh, you know, we handled them pretty easily at home. And I thought, God, I wish we could go back to their place against. I don't care where we played them. We're so much better now than we were then. Well, this team is so much better now than they were then. They are offensively. They still haven't made a whole lot of progress defensively, but offensively, man, they are uh, they are uh, at a different level. Ooh, this is a good one. Let's see, Snark coming in hot on this text. <laughs> okay, well, I like it when you announce it. But they're actually trying on defense now, and they have better body language. Over 50 games in, sign him to an extension right now. All right, yeah, that gets you snark. But no, but I'm just saying those things are not insignificant because when you've lost as many as they've lost, it's easy to, quote-unquote, lose your locker room. And they're still together. Their, their, their body language is a team that they really they're going out there really think they're going to win the game. That's half the battle. Early in the year, I don't think they thought that. I think they were just trying to find themselves. They were lost. Nothing was working. They were getting scored on at will. They couldn't score. And now all of a sudden they're scoring in the 80s and 90s. And if they could just get a couple of, of uh, you know, a, a couple of stops at key times. But they're having a hard time doing that because they're not much better defensively. But offensively, they, they're doing a better job of defining good shots. They're shooting. I mean, what, they shot again. What was their percentage last night? Really good, right? And they played against the zone. and They played man at the start, Syracuse. And uh, Louisville shredded them. Tyler was great. So they forced them to go zone. And then they, frankly, did a pretty good job of, of attacking the zone also. Uh, 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 by and large, they did a really good job. Attacking the zone. See, so, they shot 53.8%. 53. Come on. Syracuse shot 60.8. But a lot That's of that was Chris Bell just going nuts. Uh, he, but uh, their guards are good. And that proves, again, college basketball is a guards game. Those three guys on the perimeter are uh, are pretty good. And uh, they had they had trouble defending him. Their guards, you know, I, it, Sky, I think, is capable. He's, he tries very hard defensively. And he has possessions where he's really good. Trey is really trying to make up for lost time defensively. I'm not sure he's ever been asked to play defense in his life. So he's making up for a lost ground. He's not. He's still not very good, but he's better. And uh, Tyler's just problem is he's just undersized. But uh, he, he was working really hard to stay in front of Mintz also. So they, they, they make you work, those guards. They're pretty good. Um, you're right, Bob. Addition by subtraction, much better offensively. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. No, don't, don't apologize for the snark. It was a good point. Text that was not. That's kind of snark. We can welcome to the show here. Um, I think it could be said that what the coaches want isn't what's best for the game in terms of who the officials are. No, I know. I understand what you're saying, but I was. I asked these guys in a vacuum. You know, just assess who you think are the three best officials, and uh, and that's what they gave me. And Teddy was on that list, so I'm sorry. You're. I, I know it may not suit your narrative because maybe you're one of those people who doesn't think he's very good, but I'm telling you, the coaches think he's a pretty darn good official. How does Syracuse have possession when the whistle was blown? No, 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 you're misinterpreting the rule. The rule is, I mean, the ball clearly bounces to the guy under the goal. Neither team would, no. When you're talking about neither team having position, you're talking about a ball like that's bouncing free and it got knocked away and nobody has secured it yet. That's this was clearly Syracuse ball. I mean, you're, you're really splitting hairs if you don't think they had possession there. Which, by the way, if you're just joining us, that's what the rule says. For the people saying well, Louisville would have gotten the ball if they had overturned the call, they would not have. They would have taken the points down, but it would have been Syracuse ball. 
because uh, they had possession and they would have had to see how much time was on the clock when they blew the whistle. And I think they would have gotten it on side out of bounds. That's the only part I'm not sure of. I don't think they would have gotten on the baseline. And that's significant because most teams have a series of plays where they try and get shots off the baseline out of bounds. They don't usually have as many on the side. So, But it would have been their ball in that case. Um, I felt last season the team wasn't coached until after Christmas. Uh, I don't I You know, again... I'm not. I'm. I'm. Tr- I try to just give you what I'm observing, and then you can make your own opinions. Um, even Rick, who I think anybody in their right mind would say, "quote unquote," coaches his team. We would have a lot of discussions, and um, I would ask him very often before Christmas, "Do you not have like all your baseline out of bounds plays in?" Inside, he said, "We've probably got maybe sixty percent of our stuff in." So yeah, teams. So even even great coaches. Uh, and if you remember, he used to talk about the um, the non-restriction on time for practice during the Christmas break. That's when he would really – because it was kind of like the early part of the year he was assessing too. You know, you, I think this guy's going to be good at this. Turns out he's not as good as you thought. Or, wow, that guy's better than we – which you are. No matter how trained your eye is, guys surprise you sometimes or disappoint you sometimes. And then after the Christmas break, he would they, – they were going like three times a day. And then – so, yeah, maybe they did look better. But I don't think that's atypical. I think a lot of guys – Bill Self's team does. Bill Self's a brilliant coach, I think. And his team – always looks much better after the Christmas break. Sometimes they look downright ordinary in the first part of the year. Um, 94 points giving up 33 fast break points. I get it. You're giving me stats, but it doesn't mean they're uh, they're not trying hard. I don't know. This guy is – can a team be playing hard if they – yes, they can be. I mean, Louisville scored 91. Was Syracuse wasn't playing hard either? It was, you know – uh, Tennessee and Kentucky weren't playing hard. They scored like 700 points the other day. Every time there's a big uh, – in the NBA, they're not playing hard. I guess maybe that's what you think. And if you do, I would just respectfully say I disagree with you. I don't think that's all the, – there's so many guys who shoot it now. And there's – and I, I think they're being pretty generous with the fast break points too, by the way. I think they take great pride in that. And that's such a, a – um, gray area that whoever the official stat keeper is. Very subjective. Yeah, it seems like, what? They shot it. There were still six seconds on the shot clock. It's a fast break basket. I mean, what do you... I mean, you know, that's... So, um, yeah. I mean... Um, uh, I saw the same thing with USC and Oregon, and the ball went to the team with clear possession. Yeah, I mean, that's the rule. I mean, I don't... I thought the rule was kind of weird, to be honest with you, because when they blow the whistle, your instinct is to stop playing. And now, based on that rule, you better play until somebody secures it, because if they think there's clear possession, that's who they're going to give it to. Uh, So, there you go. Um, What are we doing for time-wise here? Well, we're almost top of the hour. Top of the hour. So we can go to a break here. You just sent me this. This is a good line. Okay. The Oilers didn't even win. The the Oilers, they've been on a hot streak in the NHL. Yes. They play in Edmonton if you're scoring at home. They didn't even have 16 straight wins, though, because two of them were Pride Night games. That's two gay gay wins and 14 straight wins. Oh, I get it. That's pretty good. That's clever. That's pretty Um, good. All right. um, What am I going to tell you about? You know what I'm going to tell you about? Take a bath, damn it. You stink. <laughs> All right. I don't think the sponsor would, would really want it mentioned that way. But I got your attention, didn't I? That's like my – I had a health teacher who was also the football coach. Great guy. Passed away. His name was Buster Woloski. Good coach. And uh, he was also, as I said, the health teacher. 
and he would start one of his classes whenever he felt they were kind of like losing interest. He would walk in and scream at the top of his lung, penis! And he said, all right, now you're paying attention, aren't you? And then he would go into the lesson. So that's what I did. So, so am I cutting the penis for the, oh, mixtape. the sponsor read? No, I would put that in the mixtape, though. I'm quite so sure. I shouldn't send penis to no, the sponsor. No, I would say no. I would say start the sponsored uh, <laughs> uh, um, file. <laughs> Poor bastard at the head company is just clicking. All right, yeah, they did it in Des Moines. They did it in Des Moines. They did it in Minneapolis. And then penis. Like, <laughs> Those guys in Louisville, they're all right. Either that or he's he's getting on the next plane to yank the copy back. Give me that. You know, never read that again. Hey, if your bath or shower is old, outdated, or has mold and mildew or broken tiles, you got to call my friends at the Bath Authority. The Bath Authority provides the highest quality bathroom remodeling products. Along with the world-class customer experience, why is this a good choice for you? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but here's a few of them. They have modern, durable tubs and showers, an exclusive high-tech polymer liner. What does that mean? Well, it means it'll be low-maintenance. I like that. Resistant to mold and mildew, easy to clean, and it'll last for decades. In fact, they're so confident in its durability, it comes with a lifetime warranty. Walk-in tubs, replacement showers, tub-to-shower conversions, and more. Every unit custom-built to your taste. You pick the premium accents and accessories, including safety features like low-profile showers, grab bars, and shower seats. All of the Bath Authority products are made right here in the U.S. of A., and they can be installed in as little as one day by certified factory technicians. Call today. Get $1,000 off a new shower or bath plus 36 months of interest-free financing. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Bath Authority. You are their priority at the Bath Authority. Elevate your bathroom to a new level of luxury, style, and safety. Schedule your free in-home estimate today and get $1,000 off a new shower or bath plus 36 months of interest-free financing. TheBathAuthority.com. A better bath awaits. I had somebody text me and say, I'm sorry to listen about the referees at the women's games being so bad. These guys were terrible. I don't think they're terrible. It's a good crew, actually. It's AJ Desai, Teddy Valentine, and there's a new guy. And I noticed that. I mentioned that elsewhere, and I'm beginning to think it's definitely a concerted effort. His name is Vladimir... And I might be a wise guy, but when I saw Vladimir, I, I thought maybe they're looking for all around the world for great officials. I thought maybe he was a guy they got from FIBA. He's not. He's just an American guy named Vladimir. And um, he's one of the new guys. I had Kansas and Houston. That's about as high a profile game as you can get. Again, <clears throat> excuse me, two real high profile guys. And they had a woman on the crew who I'd never seen before. So I think they're trying to do that. I think it was a good crew. I think it's a very hard. I have a theory. I have a lot of theories. Here's one. I think games when you have two bad defensive teams are harder to officiate. And Syracuse Why is, is, that? is not good defensively. And Louisville's not good defensively because they get beat a lot. And so when they get beat off the dribble a lot, what does it do? It starts the merry-go-round. Now you got bodies flying all over the place in the lane. Guy gets Guys get in the lane, and once they get in, that's where it's hard to officiate. It's not hard to officiate on the perimeter. It's hard to officiate once guys get in the lane. And when they're getting beat and guys getting in the lane, now people are sliding over and rotating and guys cutting to the basket. And there's, and you got a guy like Mintz who's flailing. His arms are all over the place. And, you know, and you're going to get fouled. You're going to see fouls a lot. And you got to find that fine line. You, nobody wants to see uh, 100 free throws, but if there's if there's 50 fouls committed, that's your job. You're supposed to call them. So it's a hard game to officiate. And those were two not very good defensive teams, to be honest with you. And so they, you know, the officials are called on to make a lot of, of calls for tough plays going on in the lane. And um, 
The only thing that made it a little easier is Syracuse is so bad a rebounding team. If they were a good rebounding team, then you'd have really had your problems because there would have not only been drivers going in a lane all the time, but every time a shot went up, it would have been like the old Big East where, you know, the guys were killing each other for every rebound. So um, there you go. All right, take a break. Top of the hour. We'll come back. Uh, ESPN 680 and 105.7.